work together and God wants that for us. He wants us to learn how to give and receive. He wants us to learn how to function as part of something greater than ourselves. Really in the Bible, individualism is actually a mark of immaturity. That's why people don't like the Bible in our day and age because they're like, well, I'm an individual. It's like, well, you are, but at best you are an individual, but you are a member of something larger. In America, you don't hear about rugged groupism. You hear about rugged individualism. The self is praised and honored. The maverick who bucks the system is exalted. And while it's good to have the ability to do things by yourself if you need to, God's plan is different. And as you'll hear Pastor Daniel teach today, you're going to learn that God has made you part of an organism that he calls the body of Christ. And you need others just as they need you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Ephesians chapter 4 as he continues his message, What God Wants. Notice that a prophet is not someone who just bags on everyone for not being perfect. That's just called being critical. But a prophet not only calls it into question, but says this is the vision that God has for a more beautiful future. So you have prophets, you have evangelists, those who proclaim the good news. We have all sorts of biblical examples of this in the New Testament. And then we have people today who function with kind of a unique evangelistic giftings. I have people sometimes say, Fusco, you have an evangelist gifting. I don't believe that. I just believe I'm obedient to be an evangelist. Like my friend Greg Laurie, many of you know him, the the Jesus Revolution movie is about him. He's got a unique gifting of evangelism. Billy Graham, a unique gifting. You go back historically, people like D.L. Moody, unique giftings for evangelism. But in a sense, just the way we're all called to be apostles, all of us should live prophetically, and all of us should live evangelistically. All of us should be people who are bringing forth the good news and inviting people into the life with Jesus. It doesn't need to be an evangelist. Then, of course, you have pastors, which literally, it's a job description. It means to be a shepherd. And I'll be honest with you, I believe that all of us are called to shepherd. We shepherd people in our families. We shepherd people in our jobs. It's why here at Crossroads, as a really large church, we love having so many people in groups because you shepherd one another through life. Things go on in someone's life and their small group comes around them. And so even though they're unique people who are called to be pastors in local churches, all of us are called to have that heart of Jesus to want to care and shepherd and tend and feed people. And, And then, of course, you have teachers, those who have a unique gift of teaching. But if you've been around here at all, you realize that we're all students and we're all what? Teachers. All of the things that we know, we're all sharing life. And so even though these are five unique roles within the local church, I actually believe that there are things that all of us should be able to walk in. Even if we don't have the title from a local church, should be part of who we are. Why? Because if you're born again, the spirit of God dwells in you. And the spirit of God loves to work in these ways. Because why? Why has God given these roles, these ministry roles? for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. 
Because what God wants is he wants us to be equipped. He wants you to be equipped, and he uses these spiritual gifts as a way to accomplish it. Listen to Paul writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. See that? God has given his word so that we might be equipped. Now, if God's desire is for us to be equipped, the enemy's desire is for you and I to be ill-equipped, to show up without the equipping that we need. And what I think is so important about this is that so much of our world today is actually designed to ill-equip people for the life that God has for them. And if you're here, and I realize, and I always say this, here at Crossroads, I realize not everyone here is a follower of Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I'm super happy that you're here, and I want you to grow here with us. But unabashedly, we want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. We can't make anyone do anything, but our goal is for you to take that step. But what I want to tell you is if you're here and you're a believer, so much of our life is designed in the world in which we live to undermine the equipping of what God has for our lives. The last thing the enemy wants is for us to be equipped for the work of ministry, for us to be built up in such a way that the church may be strong. And all the research coming out about the church in the West is that the church is, at least is less attended, but you also have less engagement, all these things. And the reason that is, is because the enemy realizes that if the church is strong, then the message of the gospel runs forth from the church effortlessly and with power. And so, so much of what goes on in society, and not just contemporary society, you can look at any generation in any society, there is always the undermining of the people of God. And what the enemy of your soul wants is for you not to be equipped. He'd rather you have more passion for binge-watching something on a media on-demand channel than for you to be tearing the cover off of your Bible. I mean, it's amazing. It's like, we're like, I don't have any time to serve, but I can do insert a bunch of things. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I don't want to make a false dichotomy. But when we realize that what God wants is for us to be equipped, that each one of us goes on into life as a minister, and he wants to undermine that at every turn. And so often we have this tendency to say, well, you know, we do ministry in church, but then when we're not in church, then it's like we're just doing the secular work. But actually, Ephesians 4.12 won't let us say that, that the people of God are equipped to serve in Jesus' name. And I'm here to tell you, whatever your role is in life, whether you're a school teacher or you work for the public works department, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or you're retired or you're a business owner or you work at the airport or wherever you are, you are in the ministry. And God places the church together so that we might equip one another so that we can go into the world as salt and light in Jesus' name. That's what God wants for us. And that's why God has given us the gifts of the Spirit. I made the joke that, you know, as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit, people can get really angry about it. They fight about it. But almost always the fight happens from pastors who are also called here a spiritual gift. So it's amazing that, like, they like their gift, just nobody else's. 
See, I just called those pastors out just like that. You know, but it's interesting. It's like, it is a spiritual gift to teach. But they're like, yeah, they're really like teaching. But oh, none of those tongues. That's just too weird. As if God didn't create all the languages anyway. You know that, Lord? He's just so scary like that. But really what we learn here is that God wants us to be equipped. Now, here's what I just want to ask you. Are you equipped for the work of ministry? One of the things that I've learned, I was talking about music before. When I was pursuing music as a career, every day when I would play my bass, I'd practice, I'd go play a gig, I'd play in an orchestra, I'd do all this stuff. Every day I'd come back and I'd see all sorts of holes in my technique, my playing. Couldn't sight read, couldn't do this. Hit a passage, couldn't play it. And if you really want to be proficient at something, you realize where your holes are, and then you go home and you work on them. And I'm here to tell you the same thing is true spiritually, my friends. Like, if you were driving in the parking lot today to Crossroads, and because there's a lot of people here, you're like, man, you just find yourself getting all a little impatient because, you know, someone is getting slowly into their parking space, right? You need to grab hold of that and say, God, because the fruit of the Spirit is patience, will you help me to grow in patience? Oh, some of you are laughing. I I, I wasn't out there. I didn't see it. (laughs) But I'm living in this world with you all. I know how it is. I actually got in trouble for speeding into the parking lot today. I kid you not. The parking lot wasn't even that full. The the safety guys were like, Pastor Daniel, you need to slow down when you're in the parking lot. I was late. I was running late. Literally, I got, and look, they're laughing. Joe's like, it's so true. Yeah, see? I got called out. Like, you need to slow down, Pastor Daniel. That is just not safe driving. (laughs) So I'm calling myself out and everyone else. But you see that, and then you say, okay, Lord, in order for me to be equipped, I know that you're working on this in me. And God wants us to be equipped. And oftentimes, in order to be equipped, we need to make changes. But that's what God wants for us. And God has given the gifts of the Spirit so that we might be built up, edified, equipped. Now, and that's not all that God wants. Because in verses 13 and 14, what we learn is that God wants us unified and mature. He wants us both unified and mature. Look what it says. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So you see where I get that. I get unity in the beginning of verse 10, that we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And I get maturity to a perfect man. That word perfect literally means complete, fully matured being to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so really God wants us to be unified and he wants us to be mature. Now, can we just be honest? Has there ever been a time in the history of the West that is less unified than it is right now? And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. It's it's almost like the church now, we get in a circle and we just shoot inward at each other. But Jesus prays in John chapter 17 that the people of God would be unified, that we would be one just as he is one with his father. And we talk about this a lot here because because our world is so divided, it's almost like the church feels like, man, I can win brownie points by being divisive. 
And as a church, we just don't play that at all. We think it's unbiblical, it's ungodly, and it's actually just the flesh. And we read here that what God wants is for us all as the people of God to come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we would all grow in together. And so much of life is us learning how to grow together with people. Those of you who are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not always easy to find unity with your spouse. Because I've been married long enough now, and, and I love my bride, Lynn. She's just the best. I do not deserve her not one minute of any day, and she's good at reminding me of that. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you know my bride, you know she's not that kind of a person. Give me that hard of a time. But like, I always love it when a young couple gets together, and they're getting married, and they're so excited, and they're like, oh, Pastor Daniel, we are going to have the best marriage ever. And I always love that because I'm like, amen. And I would say, I want you to take a video of you saying that and I want you to play it back in like five years. Not because it always goes bad, but because in the beginning, what you want is I just want to be married and we want to do well together. But then real life happens. And then we forget what it is that we want. And then before you know it, you have couples, they're like warring tribes. And what they wanted is no longer what they're experiencing. So you realize that in order to have unity with other people, there needs to be a dying to self. There needs to be some compromise. And we live in a world where we've been all raised like, you have it your way. You get to do you, honey boo boo, whatever, you know? And when you're raised like that, then learning how to die to yourself and compromise, I mean, I, we have it all the time. So we have three, I have three kids. Well, actually, I have, you know, there's, they're adults, some of them, but they're still kids. So I have an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 9-year-old, and then Lynn and I. So, you know, Lynn is mature, and I'm like the biggest kid. I'm like the 50-year-old kid. I'm the high-maintenance kid. But it, can you imagine, like, hey, what do you guys want to eat for dinner? How many of you ever asked your number of kids what they wanted for dinner? Yeah, if you've been around for a while, you know that that's just a dumb idea, right? Because then nobody can agree on what they want. And then not only can no one agree on what they want, but then if you don't choose what they want, someone gets really, really angry. Like, well, I'm not going to eat that. I don't want chicken nuggets. I wanted burgers. When we had burgers yesterday, I know, but I want them today, you know? And, And so unity is hard. It's hard. Unity is so hard that it's exactly why Jesus had to die on a cross for our sins. In order for us to be united with Christ, Jesus had to pay the price for the mistakes that we made. But that's what God wants for us. And God gives the gifts of the Spirit in order to unite us. When we begin to realize, and we talked about this, so I don't want to belabor it now, but we talked about how although the potential for all of the gifts of the Spirit abide in each one of us. If we're born again, we put our faith and trust in Jesus. None of us walk in all the gifts all the time. Why? Because we need one another. Because we're a body. And because if one of us has sight and another one of us has hearing, if one of us has this gift and another one has that gift, we have to work together. And God wants that for us. He wants us to learn how to give and receive. He wants us to learn how to function as part of something greater than ourselves. Really, in the Bible, individualism is actually a mark of immaturity. It's why people don't like the Bible in our day and age, because everyone's like, well, I'm an individual. It's like, well, you are, 
But at best, you are an individual, but you are a member of something larger. And one of the things that I find is I move through our community and I talk to people. People all the time, they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus. And I always get it because nobody thinks that I'm a pastor until they ask what I do for work. And then I just had this, I was in the grocery store the other day. I met this guy. He was a nice guy. And he was talking to me. He was cussing up a storm. It was like, he was just, ro- he was rolling, dude. It was so cool. You know, because it started, it was like, oh, man, I love your hair, man. I'm like, oh, thanks so much, bro. And he's like, nice to have long hair. We started talking about that. And he was just, you know, and then he's like, so, so man, like, so it's like, like, you have a job? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he told me about his job. He's like, well, what do you do for work? I'm like, I'm a pastor. He's like. <laughs> it was a great moment. He's like, sorry for all the cursing I was doing. I, hey, listen. We've all heard it before. No big deal. I'm like, no, you violated my virgin ears. I've never heard those things before. <laughs> but it was like, he was just shocked. He was just like, I'm like, man, you should come down to Crossroads. He said, well, I don't really do church. I'm like, you didn't think I did either, man. Come on down. Like, <laughs> Why was I telling you that story? I don't even know now. Such a great moment. But it's exactly why God sent Jesus, because we're all broken in our own ways. We all have our own issues, our own histories. And in order for us to be one with God, we need our sins forgiven, and God sent Jesus. And you need to work for unity. There needs to be grace so that we can walk in unity. And not only unity, but also maturity. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of maturity. The Bible calls it becoming complete, growing up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I've been thinking a lot about it now because I am, you know, I keep joking that I'm on my way to 50 right now. So 50 is on the horizon for me. And at some point, I have to grow up a little bit. And I was telling someone the other day, they're like, Daniel, you're like so silly. And I'm like, well, the Bible says I should be childlike. They're like, well, not childish, though. You know? Like, <laughs> but like, when you think about maturity, maturity is developing and gaining wisdom that permeates your life. And one of the reasons God gives us the gifts of the Spirit is to help mature us, to help guide us, to help lead us into maturity. Like, Paul said it this way to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. See, this idea of being unified or being mature, it speaks about being rooted in Jesus, Jesus said himself, abide in me. See, really what I think God wants to do in all that, and he gives of all the gifts of the Spirit into the body of Christ so that we would find ourselves rooted. Like for the children of Israel, when God raised up a prophet, it's because they were going sideways. And God wanted them to know, listen, you need to trust me. You need to tear down those high places. Anytime I've been in a meeting where a prophetic word has been shared, almost always there is this this call, like the prophet Jeremiah, that we need to amend our ways. We need to hear that we need to change some things. And I always like to remind people that God loves us just as we are, and he loves us way too much to leave us as he finds us. He's constantly saying, listen, I want to do a work. I want to do a transformational work. 
Just the other day, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. We were talking about life. And he's like, how has your goals as a pastor changed? I'm like, well, really what I've realized now is that every single year, I want my wife and my kids and the people that I work really closely with to say, Daniel got a little bit better this year. Like, that's my only goal. I want to say, he is a better person. He's a better leader. Why? Because as we walk with Jesus and we get rooted, there is a constant hemming in. Hemming in, hemming in. And my friends, you should want that in your life. You say, listen, I want to be a better dad, a better spouse. I want to be a better student. I just want to be a little bit more like Jesus in every single week, every single situation. I just want to grow a little bit more. Because as we're rooted in Jesus, it never ends. Just before service, I was praying with one of our folks here who's just a rock solid believer. He's like, man, God is teaching me this. And I was just like, amen. He's like, yeah, it's like, man, I'm learning this right now. And it's hard, but I'm learning. And my friends, that's what God wants for us. What would it look like for you to be more rooted going forward? And what's beautiful is in verse 14, the mark of an immature, ununified person is that we're no longer kids spiritually who are being tossed all about by all the garbage of the world, all the garbage within the church. You know, this thing's going, ooh, I go over here, ooh, I go over here, oh, this person's, it's like, listen, when you're flip-flopping all over the place, when the next thing comes through, the next spiritual circus rolls through the town, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's like, that's immaturity. Because when you're rooted in Jesus, you can experience what's going, but you're not getting caught up in everything because you're already in Christ. Jesus has got you. The anchor of who Jesus is holds in the midst of all the waves of life. And that's how we know that we're growing in maturity and unity. And then finally, verses 15 and 16, what we learn here is that God wants us growing in love. Notice verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things in him who is the head, who is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in what? In love. You see the bookends, right? Verse 15, speaking the truth in love, the edifying of itself in love. See those bookends right there? That's why I say it's like God wants us to be growing in love. And I love that speaking the truth in love. I think it was John Stott who said that Truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. So especially we live in a day and people are like, I'm a truth teller. And I'm like, well, without love, you're just a really loud symbol. So we need to speak the truth in love. They're not this or that. They're two sides of the biblical coin of how we should communicate. Pastor Daniel reminded us today that Jesus prayed that his followers would be unified in purpose. He shared that when the early church did that, they influenced the whole Roman Empire. Pastor Daniel also talked about the disunity in the church today, how we've let other things divide and weaken us. He encouraged us to do the work of ignoring the unimportant differences and work together for the cause of Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. 
I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel begins his teaching called Join the Party. He's going to be teaching from Romans 12 about the wonderful gift of salvation that God's given to you and me and how we need to make use of the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It'll be an encouraging and enlightening time to learn what God's plan is for you. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.